0: Today's reading is taken from 1 Peter, chapter 2, verses 4 to 10. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honour is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offence. but now you have received mercy. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Great. Um, we are going to pray as we come to God's word. Um, we're going to ask that God would speak to us um, through his words. Uh, we are so dependent upon God at this moment, at every moment, uh, but every time we we gather to hear God's word, we are dependent upon God for the results. So let's, um, yeah, let's come to God now in prayer. Gracious God, we thank you. We thank you for your goodness and your grace. We thank you for the joy of being able to gather here. And Lord, we ask that you would, yeah, Lord, you would be with us. We ask, Lord, that you will speak to us. You would speak through me. We ask, Lord, um, that you will do what only you can do. Lord, we need you. Um, it's so easy for us to, to go through the motions. We, we do this week on week, um, and, and, and we leave unchanged. Lord, I pray that you would change us. Lord, we, we know how stubborn our hearts are. Uh, we know there are times we we 've left um, the sermon we 've left church really excited and, and really hopeful and, and we 've gotten into the middle of the week and it feels like nothing has changed, Lord, we know that there are times we've we 've come to this time we 've made all kinds of resolutions about what we will do differently, and yet, Lord, it seems as if nothing has changed, and Lord, those are all different ways that you remind us that. In ourselves, we can do nothing. And so, Lord, help us. um, Help us, pour out your spirit on us that we might really, truly change and be different for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Um, There's a term called um, mission drift. Mission drift. It's a term that um, organizations are using more and more. Companies, charities use this term called mission drift. And I know it sounds really churchy, mission, mission drift, but it's not actually particularly a, a church word. Uh, it's a word, again, different charities, different organisations use. And if you're asking what mission drift is, what mission drift is, is, is what happens when an organisation, they set up, they start up to do a particular thing. And yet over time, that organisation slowly and slowly, it loses the original mission that they were set up to do. So an organization sets up to do one thing, and then slowly, almost unnoticeably, over time, the mission of that organization, it changes. So maybe there's a charity that's set up to help uh, young people do well academically, to, to give them tuition, to do well academically in school. That's the mission of the charity. But as time goes on, they start to add things slowly. So they start to do some more social things with the youth and they start to do some more kind of career opportunity stuff with them and they start to work on their social skills. And and these are all good things, great things even. But slowly over time, a charity that was set up to do one thing, slowly over time you realise it's not doing the thing it was set up to do. and, And this mission drift is something that happens naturally, right? Uh, The the experts say that this is a natural thing. Naturally, organizations experience mission drift. Over time, they start doing things differently to what they were set up to do. So how many people here, hands up if you know the YMCA? Anyone familiar with the YMCA? Okay, a few of us, some of us. Okay. Um, The YMCA. Well, the YMCA, what that stands for is the Young Men's Christian Association. Um, And here's the original mission of the YMCA. This is what it sets out to do. The YMCA seeks to unite those young men who, regarding Jesus Christ as their God and Savior, according to the Holy Scriptures, desire to be his disciples in their faith and in their life, and to associate their efforts for the extension of his kingdom among young men. That's what the YMCA sets out to do. If you're familiar with what the YMCA is today, you would realize that there has been mission drift. Now they just call it the Y. It's basically a gym, right? It's a gym, and they do some stuff, they do some social work, but that's what they do now. There's nothing distinctively Christian whatsoever about that organization. How does that happen? Well, not because one day they just sat down and said, we're totally going to change what we're doing. No, slowly over time, they did more and more different things and added different things, and before you know it, they had a very different mission to the one that they started off with. And that's true in organisations, but of course that happens with church. Churches experience mission drift, right? And we don't have enough time to talk about various different examples of churches that have experienced mission drift. You start off knowing this is the mission of the church... But because there's so many wonderful, fantastic things we could be doing, slowly we add those things and we add those things. And before you know it, as a church, we're doing something that's very different to our original mission. We lose the primacy of what God has called us to do. And so how do you solve mission drift? Well, you solve mission drift by keeping a constant emphasis and a constant repetition of what the mission of the church is. And I say that to say this, the reason why we start each year by having a missions month is because we know that we experience mission drift. We as a church, we we can lose sight of what we are called to do. And so each year we start off the year by reminding ourselves of what we are meant to do. And today we're going to do that by really focusing on the last two verses of 1 Peter 2, the last two verses of the verses that were read. And we're going to remind ourselves really three things, who we are, why we are, and how we are. Who, why, how. And our prayer is that as we do that, as we look at that, God would remind us of what we are here to do, who we are, why we are, and how we are. And by doing that, God would keep us on mission. So firstly then, who are we? Who is the church? Look with me at the first part of verse 9. But... You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Peter has just finished talking about those who disobey God, those who don't belong to the people of God. And then in verse 9 he says, but, but, so that's the world outside, but you, as in the church, let me tell you, the church, who you are. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, And what Peter does for all of those phrases is that what he's doing is that he goes back into the Old Testament to teach us who the people of God are meant to be. And really, there are three things that stand out from those phrases. Firstly, we are God's chosen people. Who is the church? The church are God's chosen people. We see that in those two phrases. We are chosen race and we are people for God's own possession. Both of those phrases, chosen race, people for God's own possession, they come from Isaiah 43, where Yahweh is talking about his commitment to his people, Israel. God tells Israel that in spite of their suffering, in spite of the fact that they're in exile, god they were God's people. God had chosen them, and therefore, God was committed to them. God was going to be faithful to them. God would deliver them. God would bring them to himself. Who is the church? Who are we? We are The chosen people of God. We are the church, not first and foremost because we chose God. We are the church because God in his grace chose us. That's who we are. We are God's chosen people. We are the people that have experienced God's grace. And what that means is we are those who can be sure of God's commitment to us. The church are people that can say that God is for us. In other words, the church are those who can say, we are loved by God. And yes, there is a love that God has for all his creation, but there is a unique love that God has for his people. There is this kind of unique, unbreakable, um, indescribable love that God has for his people. We are those who are loved by God. All right. One of the basic things that we all want. We want to be loved. We, we want to be chosen. We want to be accepted. And the truth is that if you're a Christian, if you're a part of the people of God, you are loved and you are chosen by the Almighty God. You belong to a group of people who are loved by God. And in fact, no matter what else you go on to do in your life, no matter what you achieve in your life, no matter what great dream you accomplish, nothing will come close to, to even comparing to the fact that God has chosen you. That God has set his love on you. And so through every trial that we experience as God's people, we experience those trials as part of God's own possession. That, that language there is really, is sometimes used to speak of treasure. We are God's treasure. We are God's treasured possession. That's who we are. God treasures us. We are precious to him. Right? And Satan does this incredible work of dulling our eyes to see that. But we, if we are part of God's people, we are God's chosen, we are his elect, we are his treasure. And so the world may not think much of the church, and we go out into our world and people may not think much of us. But we are are God's treasure. We are precious to God. So the first thing we see here is that, if we're asking the question, who are we, we are chosen. But there's more here because... Peter says, not only are we chosen, the the chosen people of God, we are the people who have the privilege of living in the very presence of God. That's what this language about us being a royal priesthood refers to. It means that we have access to the presence of God. Because we are part of the people of God, we live in the Holy of Holies, that that central part of the temple where God's presence dwelt. We, we are that. God's people are that. God dwells with us. Right? That's, that's who we are. We are the people. We are the temple of the living God. We live before God. Because God by his spirit lives in us, we go around carrying the presence of God. We are priests. We have access. Where before in the Old Testament, there were a particular group of people called the priests who could go before the presence of God, we, all of us, all Christians, are that. We are priests. We, we go before, we serve the living God. All of our life is lived before God. We are priests. They're not just priests, we are royal priests. In, in one sense, this is language that takes us all the way back to Eden. When, Adam, when God creates Adam and Eve, they are, they are royal priests, right? They, they have dominion over creation and they do that in the very presence of God. When Adam and Eve, when they're doing their gardening, they're not just gardening. They're serving as priests because they're doing their gardening to serve the living God in God's presence. They're exercising control over creation in a way that serves God. They're offering sacrifice to God. Their gardening was an offering to God. And that's what God has done in the church. God has brought us back to Eden in that sense. We are royal priests. In other words... If you're part of God's people, there's nothing you do that's just ordinary. Um, Because God has created us, God has saved us in such a way that all of our lives, our entire bodies, are meant to be living sacrifices to him. When we, as God's people, when we are at work, we are not simply working for a paycheck. Our work is actually an offering to God in God's very presence. Because we carry God with us. When you're at school, we're not just going through the motions, right? Because our behavior at school is actually a way that we are offering ourselves to God. All that we do, we do. If you're a Christian, all that we do, we do in the very presence of God as part of worship to God. And look, that's true individually, but more so, that's true of us corporately. As we gather, we're gathered here together as God's people there is a sense in which uniquely God is present with us. Right? That's what Jesus says. Jesus says, Jesus promises is that as two or three are gathered in his name, there he is in our midst. So right now as we gather, we gather in the presence of the almighty God. Right now as we gather, God is here with us. God is present with us. Right now as we gather and we sing, we sing literally before God. We, we cannot see him and yet he is here. Right? When we pray, we, we stand in the throne room and we're speaking directly to the living God. When the word of God is taught, God himself is speaking to us. When we gather like this, we gather as priests and we serve in the very presence of God. And God is with us because God said that he would be with us. So, so firstly, the church, are, we are chosen. Secondly, we are priests. We are royal priests. And all of that summarized, both of the things are summarized. in the third thing, we are distinct. Right? That phrase in the middle, we are a holy nation. The church is different from the world because the church is devoted to God. There is nothing ordinary about the church. Nothing. Nothing at all ordinary about the church. Nothing ordinary about our gathering. When we gather together, we are different from anything that exists in the world because we are called, not just as individuals, but as a community, to be uniquely devoted to God. Right? And that means our life, the way we live our lives is holy. It's devoted to God. But it also means our community is holy. The way we interact with one another is holy. It's different from any community that exists in the world, because this is a community defined by God. Again, it's hinted that in that language of priests. The priests were separate from the other people. They were different from the other people. And what happens, church, is that we forget this, that we are holy, that we are chosen, that we are priests, that we are different, that we are not our own, that we belong to God, that we are the temple of the living God, right? That we're not a social club. We're not just a charity. We're not just a group of people that like one another. No, no. we gather as the temple of the living God. We are holy. We are different. We are distinct. Right. So we're chosen by God. We're priests of God and we are holy for God. That's who we are. Right. And it naturally leads to that second question. Why we are. Right. Look at me again at verse 9. We'll see it. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I hope we got that. We're, we're a chosen race, we're a royal priesthood, we're a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that, right, or so that. So, were well, all of these things... So that. So when you see that or so that, it's going to tell you why. Why are we those things? Why has God called us to be those things? Why? That we might proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. So we are who we are to do what God has called us to do. And what God has called us to do as a church is to proclaim the excellencies of God. That's our why. That's our mission. You want to know, what's the mission of Stockwell Baptist Church? The, the mission of Stockwell Baptist Church is to proclaim the excellencies of the God who called us out of darkness into his marvellous light. We exist to proclaim the excellencies of God. And, and this language of excellencies is just another way of speaking of God's character, God's virtue, other versions say. God has made us to be who we are. God has called the church so that we might proclaim to the world who God is, and how excellent he is. Look, the, the, the question of purpose is a natural question. We all ask that question. Why are we here? What's our purpose? If we are Christians, I can tell you confidently what your purpose is. You exist. God has saved you, that you may proclaim the excellencies of the God who saved you. That's why we're here. And church, there's a world around us that does not know who God is. There's a world around us that thinks they know who God is, but they have no idea who God is. And our job, our mission, the reason why God has put us here is that we might go into the world to proclaim to the world the excellencies of the God that they do not know. We live in a world that does not know how gracious God is. We live in a city that doesn't know how glorious God is. We live here in Stockwell, and Stockwell doesn't know how wise God is. And your colleagues at work don't know how powerful God is. And kids, your friends at school don't know how merciful our Father is. And my friends at football, they don't know how great our Lord is. And that's okay because that's what we are here for. That's what we exist for. We exist to tell them... Just how excellent and how glorious and how powerful and how wise and how loving and how merciful our God is to declare His excellencies to a world that does not know Him. And those excellencies are seen in the gospel. That's how we do this. We proclaim His excellencies in the gospel. Peter says to proclaim the excellencies of the God who, what? Called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. So we say how excellent God is by preaching the gospel because the gospel is the revelation, the ultimate revelation of how excellent, how glorious our God is. It's in the gospel we see the love, the mercy, the power, the wisdom of God most excellently we see it in the gospel. So it's as we see how God sent his son into the world, as we tell the old, old story of how God so loved the world that he gave his only son, it's as we do that, that we proclaim to the world how great our God is. Our job, our job, our mission is to tell others about who God is. Again, you already see in that language of us being royal, priest, uh, royal priesthood, priest's job was to mediate between God and people. Our priesthood exists for the sake of those that do not know God. And church, that's why our holiness matters. That's why the way we live Matters because we exist to declare the excellencies of who our God is. And we cannot say one thing with our mouth and say another thing with our life. God's design is that as we speak of how excellent our God is, people would look in our lives and people would look at our church and they would see in it how excellent our God is. Right? That when we sing, crown him with many crowns, that those who know our lives it would be evident that God really is on the throne of our lives. That when we tell people you know, how great God is, that our lives would be so soaked in prayer that it would be evident that we really believe that we serve a worthy and a great God. That we, when we sing and we tell people about how worthy the Lamb is, that when people step into our church and they see the way we do things, it will be clear by our priorities that we think that Jesus Christ is worthy of everything. So it's not something we just do with our mouths. It's something we live. That as we speak of God, the God who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light, that when people see us, they will see that we are walking in that light. That people, that our light would so shine, that people would see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. That's God's design. That we would be speaking about his excellencies and we would be living his excellencies. That people would see us and as they see us, they would get some sense of how good and gracious and kind and merciful our God is. That's our mission. That's our why. Right. Right. That's our why. For whatever we want to do, for whatever great things we want to do as, as the church, for whatever great ideas and goals we have as Christians, this is our why. That we might proclaim the excellencies of the God who saved us. So that's who we are and that's why we are, but how, how are we, right? How do we live this mission? That's the last question. To accomplish this mission, we need to be who God has called us to be. But how do we become the people that God has called us to be? And the answer to that is by the grace of God that's found in the gospel. So look with me at verse 10. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So we said earlier that we are special, we are distinct, we are chosen. But let me be very clear. We are all those things, not because there is anything about us, inherently, that makes us any different to anyone else out there in the world. We are not chosen because there is something choosable about us. We are not loved because there is something lovable about us. We are not any of these things by nature. None of us are born part of being this holy nation. None of us are born as royal priests. It's not something we're born into, it's not something we qualify for, it's not something we can work for. No, we are who we are by the shared grace and mercy of our God. Because once we were not a people, once we had not received mercy, But now we are a people and now we have received mercy. How does that happen? Because of God's grace. Because of the God who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. We we once were in darkness, pitch black darkness. And the reason we are now in the light, the reason we are now God's people is because of God's grace in the gospel. It's because there was a God who while we were dead in sin, he set his love on us. And he sent his son to die for us in order to bring us to himself. We are who we are, and therefore we do what we do purely because of the grace of God. How is it that we do this? How is it that we are who we are? Because of the grace of God that's found in the gospel. And look, if you're here today and you're you're not a Christian, you're not part of the people of God, that's how you can become part of the people of God. It's not by working. It's not by doing something. It's not by trying harder. It's by accepting what God has done for you in his son, Jesus Christ. It's all of grace. It's all of grace. We add nothing to this. There is nothing we do that makes us in any way qualifiable or puts us as candidates for this. No. If we want to be part of this, we give up trying to strive in our own strength and we recognize that God has done everything for us in and through the gospel. That actually God sent his son while we were helpless and while we were lost and while we could not make our way to him, God made his way to us. And Jesus Christ came and he lived and he died and he rose again. And that in doing that, God broke the power of Satan and evil and death. And all we do is we receive that gift, we trust in that gift. Right, we, we look to God and we thank God for what he has done for us in Jesus Christ that's how we become part of the people of God and that's how we live out our mission and the reason why I'm stressing that is not just for those right, who aren't part of the people of God I'm stressing that for those of us here who are part of the people of God if we are going to live out our mission we will live out our mission by the grace of God Right? so look I, I get it, missions month. Again, it it can be that month where, again, it's just every year you get to that month where you feel really bad for four Sundays because of how little evangelism you're doing, right? Um, You're told once again you need to be, you know, we're here to proclaim his excellencies, we're here to, to share the gospel, and every time it comes up, your heart kind of sinks because you think of how much you failed in that area, and look, I, I'm, in that, I'm in that category. As I was preparing this week, I was burdened by how little of this proclamation of his excellencies that I am doing. All right, um. And the danger is that we hear a message like this and we want to work our way into just doing it. We want to guilt our way into doing it. We want to just pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and just, you know, just, just do it. Just, just do it. Just speak. Just speak. Tell them about Jesus, because if you don't, you're, you're a terrible Christian. But we are who we are, and therefore we do what we do by the grace of God. It's actually the grace of God in the gospel that enables us to live out our mission. In other words, you might say, as we, and we heard this last week, if we want to live out our mission, we go back to the place of covenant. We go back to the gospel. We trust again what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. Look, I think the reasons why we so often find it hard to proclaim the excellencies of God is that sometimes those excellencies just don't seem very excellent to us. In other words, we know the gospel, we know, yes, God sent his son to die for us, but it doesn't grip us anymore. It's not amazing to us anymore. It doesn't leave us in awe and wonder anymore. We're not struck by the love and the mercy of God anymore. And we, don't, we won't proclaim it unless we delight in it. And so what God calls us to do is to return back to the gospel and to see again just how glorious our God is. That's what Peter does, right? He says, look, your job is to proclaim the excellencies of God. And then he tells you what those excellencies are. The God who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Peter wants us to again see just how beautiful the gospel is. And as we're caught up in the beauty of the gospel, we are empowered to share with others just how excellent our God is. That's how we are going to live out our mission. So, SBC, if we're going to be faithful to our mission, we will do that by being a gospel people. We all do that by being people that are fixed and never get tired and never get bored of telling and telling ourselves and telling others about the good news of Jesus Christ. We do that by coming to Jesus Christ. Again, verse 4, don't walk back to the beginning. Peter says, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. How is it that we are being built as living stones? How is it that we are being made into this holy priesthood? By coming to him, right? As we come to him, we are being built, As we come to him, it's God who does that work in us to cause us to live out who we are and therefore to do what God has called us to do. So we come to God through Jesus Christ and we ask that he would pour out his spirit on us to enable us to proclaim his excellencies. We cannot do this in our own strength. We cannot work our way into this mission. No amount of strategy will enable us to accomplish this mission. We need the power of God And God is so powerful that he can do all things. And he has the power to enable us to live out our mission. Look, practically, I I wonder if you might spend some time praying that God would give you fresh eyes to see the gospel. Right? Some of us, we've heard it for, for decades and decades and decades, time and time again. I wonder if you would pray that God would give you fresh eyes to see how glorious the gospel is. And how merciful our God is and how kind our God is. Right? Even more so, I, I, pray, I, I, I wish that we would pray that as a church, as a people, that we, would be, we as a collective would have fresh eyes to see how glorious the gospel is. Look, we're not going to be the people that God has called us to be simply by doing mission months. We're not going to live out our calling simply by preaching. Uh, we're not going to be royal priests simply by gathering. We're going to do... We're going to be who God has called us to be and therefore do what God has called us to do only if God pours out his spirit on us to see again how amazing the gospel of Jesus Christ is. And if God does that, then we will live out our mission. right? And we will be declaring to the world the praises, the virtues, the excellency of the God who saved us, who saved us when we were deep and stuck in sin and we were chained in sin. But that's our mission. And again, there's a thousand and one things we could be doing. There's a thousand and one fantastic things that we are doing, we could be doing, right? But our mission is to proclaim the excellencies of our God in word and deed. To tell this word about how excellent our God is. And to keep doing that until the day that we stand before this glorious God. And we see afresh and we can shout for all eternity how excellent our God is. And in that day, we will sing it and we will shout it and we will declare it in new ways because we will see it in new ways. We're heading to that day where we will see the glory of God in a new way because we will see the glory of God with glorified eyes. And we will sing and proclaim and proclaim those excellencies for 10 million years and then we'll proclaim it for 10 million years more. We will see how worthy the Lamb is, and we will fall on our knees and we'll give him thanks. And we'll gather around the throne and we'll cast our crowns before him as we see that he really is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Church, this is not a mission for this life only. This mission isn't a life that we have for this life only. No, that mission, to proclaim the excellencies of God, that's a mission for eternity. That's a mission that will last for all eternity. Our mission is, is so great God's praise is so great that, as we sung earlier, his praise shall never, ever fail throughout eternity. Our entire life, the reason why God has made us is that we would proclaim his excellencies. And our eternity, for all of eternity, our souls will be satisfied by doing the very thing God has made us to do to proclaim how great and how gracious and how kind he is. To proclaim the excellencies of the God who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Let's pray for the grace to do that. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you because you have called us to be a chosen race. You have called us to be a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of your own possession. And you have done all these things so that we might proclaim the excellencies, your excellencies, the God who called us out of darkness into your marvelous light. Lord, I pray that you would give us all a new sense of just how good the gospel is. More importantly, Lord, how good you are. That in the gospel, we would see who you are and we would glory in that. We would rejoice in that. We would set our hope in that. And Lord, as we do that, we would tell others just how good you are and how gracious you are, and how loving you are, and how your steadfast love never ceases, and how your mercies are new every morning, and how despite how sinful we are, you are able to wash our sins away, and how your son died, the eternal God, he died on the cross so that we might have life in him, and how though we have nothing to bring to you, nothing that we might offer, nevertheless, you set your love on us. Lord, give us fresh eyes to see that. Help us see how excellent you are and help us to tell others how excellent you are so that you might be glorified both now and for all eternity. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.